The following program is presented by the Far East Broadcasting Company because stories of people living out the gospel with their lives inspire all of us. FEBC, taking Christ to the world through radio and new media. Learn more at febctoday.org. When you look at how the church treated the Jewish people, that was never God's heart. What can you do with that? The best thing you can do with that frustration is turn it into something good and to serve those who might currently still have blind spots. A Jewish believer in Jesus tells us his story coming up now on First Person. Welcome to this week's program. I'm Wayne Shepherd. You'll meet Justin Crone in a moment who can teach us how to talk about Jesus to our Jewish friends and neighbors. Thanks for tuning in. Our goal is to introduce you to people whose lives have been transformed by Christ and then learn how God calls and equips them to serve Him in a unique way. Anytime you'd like additional information about today's guest or any past guest, please visit firstpersoninterview.com. And if you'd like to download any past interview for listening anytime, use our smartphone app. It's free on both iTunes and Google Play and makes listening to First Person easy anytime it's convenient for you. Search for First Person Interview in your app store. Let's turn our attention now to our guest for today's First Person, Justin Crone is a Christian who loves to build bridges with the Jewish community and help people get acquainted with Jesus in his Jewish context. And when you hear Justin's story, I think you'll understand why. Well, like a lot of great stories, it begins with your parents. And uh, my mother grew up in a conservative Jewish home in Skokie, Illinois, suburb just north of Chicago, that Mm -hmm. still to this day has a very large Jewish community in it, and grew up in what you would consider a traditional Jewish home. Uh, traditional enough that it was uh, very much oriented around a lot of Jewish practices and and holidays, but not so Jewish uh, that uh, you wouldn't occasionally sneak in maybe a little uh, ham and bacon, okay? (laughs) Okay. Um, And uh, she did what a lot of typical Jewish people do, and and that's go to synagogue when it really counts, uh, which for most Jewish people is during the high holidays of Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur, Mm -hmm. because according to Jewish tradition, that's when the the whole sin thing gets taken care of. Uh, and, of course, uh, she enjoyed fine Jewish delicacies like matzo ball soup and lox and bagels. Course. Which, Yeah, I mean, it's kind of our litmus test. I bet you still do, as a matter I of fact. I very much do. Uh, it's kind of our litmus test for whether or not you're Jewish. <laughs> you're, you're born, and, and then on the eighth day, we have a gathering, and we put out matzo ball soup and lox and bagels. And if you indicate in any way that you're interested in those, we know you're Jewish. <laughs> and uh, when she was... Uh, a young adult. Uh, she was uh, working in the city of Chicago. She would take the train to work Monday through Friday. And when you go to work at the same time, you will often see the same people. And uh, she was also going through a difficult season in her life at this time. And uh, there was an African-American man uh, by the name of Josh Wiggins who saw her almost every day. And he had a prompting. He was a follower of, of Jesus, a Christian, and, and he had a prompting from the Holy Spirit that uh, he— wanted him to reach out to my mother. Hmm. And so he got up out of his seat on the train, walked up to my mom, and he said, I know this is going to sound really strange, but it just seems to me that you could use a friend. And my mother was like, whoa, that that is pretty strange. Uh, But she said, I'll be honest, I've been going through a tough time and I could use all the encouragement I can get. And so Josh just started to get to know my mom, just uh, discovering her story and, and her background And in time, started to unfold God's redemptive story in his own life. 
telling her about a Jewish rabbi from Nazareth who had radically impacted and transformed his life, and he believed that this rabbi could do the same for hers. Uh, of course, we're talking about Jesus. Yeah. And, and did that conversation go over weeks, months? It went over several months. Uh, they started meeting weekly uh, where he unfolded some of the messianic prophecies for her from the Hebrew scriptures, from the Old Testament, and showing her how Jesus was the fulfillment of those prophecies in the New Testament. And uh, she was compelled by the evidence, uh, particularly compelled by Isaiah 53, which mm-hmm. speaks of a suffering servant yeah. who would come to yeah. uh, suffer and, and die for the transgressions yeah. of a his passage people. passage that meant a lot to me as a young teenager. Right. Powerful passage uh, that I think uh, has really ministered to a lot of Jewish seekers, uh, those who are interested in knowing more. What, what does the Bible say? What was God's um, plan for who the Messiah would be? And she was really compelled by that passage, uh, as well as compelled by the grace that Josh showed the, to, to her, just really in, in many respects being the hands and feet of Jesus. Well, that's a great lesson for all of us to yield when the Spirit prompts us to have that kind of conversation. Absolutely. Yeah. And uh, as really a result of God's truth and grace, uh, my mom came to embrace Jesus as her Messiah. A few years later, when I was just eight years old, Josh and his wife, Liz, and and their three daughters, Angie, Tasha, and Tina, had the opportunity to team up on me to help me understand really that the most Jewish thing that any Jewish kid can do is embrace Jesus as Messiah. And so that's really where my uh, journey with Jesus So you were uh, eight years old? Eight years old. Wow. And uh, from that time on, uh, we we became uh, active members in in a local church. And, uh, you know, really got acquainted with uh, Christian culture and Uh and how things are done uh, the the Christian way, while still maintaining a very strong connection to our Jewish identity, our Jewish heritage. Yeah. What was that like growing up, knowing that you had that background, and yet you're a believer in Jesus now? So was that a tension in your life? It it was a little confusing at times. the the church that we were in, although they were affirming of of the idea that we were Jews for Jesus, uh, not the organization right, per yeah, se, but yeah. you get the idea. Uh, there wasn't really a lot of affirmation to maintain that identity, mm-hmm. and so it it really felt like I was living in two separate worlds. So there were times where I was uh, acting and living like a Christian. And then there were times when we would be with my family that we would do the Jewish thing, okay? And those worlds never really connected. And so, uh, for me, it really has become this journey of learning how to manage that tension between my Jewishness and my Jesusness, or or what I would probably like to say, reconciling those two. Yes. How does that work? What does that look like? When I get to college, uh, I read a book by Philip Yancey. Uh, the Jesus I Never Knew. Oh, yeah. One of my favorite books on Jesus. If if uh, you haven't read it, I mm-hmm. highly recommend it. He has a chapter in this book uh, titled Jewish Roots and Soil. And in the chapter, he writes, I can no more understand Jesus apart from his Jewishness any more than I can understand Gandhi apart from his Indianness. And he continues and he writes, if you really want to get to know Jesus's story, You need to get to know his story as you would anyone else's story and learn something of his culture, family, and background. And wow, the light bulb went on for me. And how old were you? Uh, 20s? Young young 20s. Okay. Yeah. And uh, I just, I really sensed in that, reading that, that uh, 
all these things that I had done um, growing up, engaging with Jewish traditions and, and holidays, uh, really is connected to uh, the foundation of my faith in Jesus, uh, that they're, they're interconnected, that, that Jesus himself was Jewish. He would have done these things. The, the more really that I, I get acquainted with these holidays, in, in many respects, I'm getting acquainted with Jesus. Uh, and uh, so that's, that's really for me what, what started this journey of um, putting the two together mm-hmm. and realizing that I don't have to check my Jewish identity at the door in order to be a follower of Jesus. At that time in your life, were you expecting that you would be a bridge to others, um, the, the way that you bridge those two cultures? N- not at all. Um, I, I was, uh, for me, it was more, how do I personally live this out in my own life? Uh, and then I was uh, confronted with the history of Christian anti-Semitism. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of times there's the question of, well, why don't Jewish people believe in Jesus? What's up with that? To, to a lot of Christians, I think it seems so obvious that Jesus is the, the fulfillment of the prophecies in the Hebrew scriptures about who the Messiah was supposed to be. And so they just assume, well, Jewish people should get this too. Why don't they see it? Well, uh, I was fortunate enough to be uh, taught about uh, some things that had happened in the name of Jesus against Jewish people throughout history. Uh, that was very, uh, um, very antithetical to who Jesus certainly was. And uh, to, to summarize it, I think we can say that the church's uh, public relations policy with the Jewish community mm-hmm. was not the best. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, and we can, we can delve into that uh, all day long, but we won't get too deep into it here. But it did affect you. It, it certainly did. And it helped me understand why Jewish people were so... Uh, antagonistic in many respects mm-hmm. to understanding who Jesus was and, and the message really of Christianity. Uh, and so w- learning about that, I thought, okay, well, is there something maybe I can do to help the church understand a little bit more about how to become a safer and more welcoming environment? And by the way, Jewish you're people? being discipled along the way, no doubt as well. How is that happening? I'm so, discipled in Jesus. Yeah. So uh, that's happening in, in church, of course. Uh, and uh, it was also happening through, to good speak more specifically of Jews for Jesus, uh, Jan Moskowitz, the late Jan Moskowitz. So maybe I recognize Wayne, the yeah, name. Yes. He was one of the founders of, of the organization. And we got well acquainted. Uh, he lived in uh, Chicago where, where I live and uh, really uh, started to mentor me. And uh, he was the one who actually helped me understand a bit about the history of Christian anti-Semitism. And uh, he really challenged me. I, I, I think, Justin, you should consider giving the best hours of your day to serving our people. And for me, what that ended up looking like was, well, how can I help the church become more sensitive to their Jewish friends and neighbors. It's interesting that it didn't turn you away from Christianity. It, it didn't cause you to... Go back to your Jewishness. You know what I mean? Yeah, I'll I'll be honest. It actually caused me to be quite angry uh, with with the church for a while. Uh, And that was something that Jan helped me out with as well. Uh, In that that anger, in that frustration, that that righteous anger, you know, because when you look at how the church treated the Jewish people, um, that was never God's heart. That was never God's intention. 
what can you do with that? Uh, the best thing you can do with that frustration is is to turn it into something good yeah. and to serve those who might currently still have blind spots as it relates to how they understand. So your anger drove community. you to a better understanding. It really did. And uh, I started reading a lot more and and uh, turned that into really what has become my ministry today is to help the church learn how to be a safer and more sensitive environment for Jewish people who do not yet know Jesus as Messiah. Justin Crone has a great mission and we'll continue to learn about it coming up in a moment on First Person. I'm so grateful for the grace I receive while listening to FBBC all day long. I cried listening to God's message multiple times. Just one of millions of grateful people who listens to the Far East Broadcasting Company in her own language. You can sign up for a free online daily devotional from FEBC telling more listener stories while at the same time it encourages you from God's Word. Receive this online devotional without obligation when you visit firstpersoninterview.com. My guest is Justin Crone, and we've heard a little bit of his story here today on the program. I want to talk about what you're doing now with your life in Christ. And uh, you have a pretty unique ministry. I know you kind of work with a number of different organizations. You're kind of a, a Christian ministry entrepreneur, really, is how I look at it, Justin. How do you describe it? Yeah, there's really two core values that drive uh, the ministry that I do. Core value number one is that Jesus was Jewish, therefore his Jewishness should matter to us. Related to that value is that Jewish people mattered to Jesus, therefore Jewish people should matter to us. Mm -hmm. uh, so a lot of my ministry today is really focused on educating Christians about the Jewish heritage uh, and roots of their faith, uh, which then serves the, the other value, which is uh, learning more about our Jewish friends and neighbors, uh, just, just as Jesus certainly would have done. What holds us back? Really, what, what holds us back is fear, um, I think a, a lack of, of understanding. I think there's a perception that, that Jewish people are very antagonistic uh, towards the gospel. And yes, some are, and for some they've got good reason to be. Mm -hmm. uh, but I think that's really rooted in a, in a misunderstanding. Mm -hmm. If we have a Jewish friend, is it okay to just kind of ask them questions about what Jews believe and why they believe it, or is that offensive in some way? No, I, I think it's one of the best ways. Uh, ask them what they believe. Ask them why they do what they do. Ask them what uh, the particular holiday that's on the calendar, uh, what is that about? Uh, uh, several, several years ago, there was a uh, Jewish atheist that I was, I was speaking to who was challenging me about, you can't say that you believe in Jesus and still be Jewish. And, and, and I said to him, well, how, how can you say you're Jewish if you don't even believe Atheist, yeah. <laughs> that the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob even exists? And he's like, okay, okay, I get, I get where you're going with that. He said, but help me understand this, Justin. Help me understand how uh, non-Jewish people, Gentiles, can embrace a Jew as their Lord and Savior. He said, that's what you call him, right? I said, yeah, Lord and Savior. He said, now that's a really important thing, right? I said, yeah, it doesn't get any more important than that. So, well, then help me understand how it is that non-Jews all over the world will embrace a, a Jew as their Lord and Savior, but they don't know anything about the holidays that he celebrated. Mm. So, Justin, I, I've worked with Christians on and off over the years, and it's a rare occasion that I'll get a, 
happy Hanukkah at Hanukkah or, or a happy Passover at Passover. And he said, it just seems to me that if Jesus truly was the promised Messiah of the Jewish people, that those who follow him, who even may, they may, may not be Jews themselves, they would have at least some understanding, some appreciation uh, for his Jewish identity yeah. in the world in which he lived. Do Christians somehow believe that wishing someone a happy Hanukkah is, is compromising our faith in Christ or something? How do you account for it? I, I, I wouldn't go really that far. I, I think it's just a lack of understanding. I, I think it's just a lack of sensitivity. It's just not really on their radar screen. Um, you know, particularly in the month of December, you're so engaged and, and engrossed with your traditions, your holiday. Right. Uh, that you're not necessarily thinking about others. And I think it really just goes back to the, the reality, too, that a lot of Christians do not see Jesus himself as someone who was Jewish mm-hmm. or is still Jewish. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, I think that that's probably where it, where it lies. I know one of the things you enjoy doing is going to Israel and taking Christians with you so that uh, I'm sure that that becomes a, a hothouse to really <laughs> learn about Jesus yes, and his Jewishness, yes. right? It uh, is one of my challenges. I appreciate you bringing that up. Uh, if you really want to get into understanding who Jesus was, go, go to the, the land in which he lived. Uh, see that the, the history of, of the Bible, the stories of the Bible are rooted in real space. They were rooted in real time. Uh, you you can touch and you can feel uh, these these places that you have read about in in God's Word, and uh, it's one of the most impactful trips uh, that you could ever take in your life. Well, give me an example. What are appetite for going to Israel? What when you're there and you're in a specific place? Uh, give me an example of what you might say that will help us understand Jesus. Yeah, well, I, I like to think if if you want to get into uh, the world of Jesus, you need to get into the word of Jesus. And, and the the plain board for that word really is the land of Israel. And uh, there's so many favorite places, it's hard to, yeah, to identify know, just know. one. We won't make this a travel log, yeah, but, but I... Uh, my, I would say, my fa- if I had to pick one, my favorite is, is when we take a boat ride on the Sea of Galilee. Oh, yes. I've never done it, but I have friends who have, yeah. and I've seen photos and videos. It looks like it would be a very... Very impactful experience. It is. It's, yeah. it's where approximately 80% of Jesus' ministry occurred. Uh, I, I love going up to Mount Arbel, uh, which is the highest point around the Sea of Galilee. And it's probably most likely the location where Jesus took his disciples uh, after he had resurrected and, and before he ascended to heaven, uh, where he said, uh, you know, go, go to all nations and, and preach the gospel, obviously summarizing the Great Commission there, um, but you're standing there and you're looking out upon uh, the, really uh, in that time, in Jesus's time, what would have been known as the Decapolis, so the other side of the Sea of Galilee, which is where the pagans uh, live, the nations. And uh, here Jesus is with his Jewish disciples telling him to go, go to those people and bring the good news. Uh, and uh, it comes alive when you're there. It yeah. really does. Yeah. Of course, you've had so many experiences there. I've only had one very brief experience, and it was not a comprehensive uh, tour of Israel at all. But I recall very specifically uh, looking over the Valley of Kidron there and looking at the the graves and the you know, and Jesus saying, "You are like whitewashed tombs." Mm-hmm. Uh, it was just so spectacular to think about Jesus 
looking at that as he said those words. It really is. And it's, I think, a good reminder for us, too, that when we are there, uh, we need to remember that it's not just a place that Jesus walked. It's a place that he's still walking. Mm-hmm. There are living stones there among the ancient stones, uh, those who are ministering to both Jews and to Arabs. And it's a good place to get really in touch with God's heart uh, for the people who live there in that region. What else are you doing uh, to really help us as believers in Christ understand uh, our Jewish roots and our Jewish neighbors? Yeah, well, right now, uh, one of the main things that I'm focused on is on a documentary film project called Hope in the Holy Land. I've seen that, yeah. And uh, the the purpose of this film is to, to help Christians get more in touch with God's heart for both Jews and, and Arabs there to, to understand a bit more about the background and history of Israel's conflict with its Arab neighbors uh, and to hopefully stand with those who are taking real risks for peace uh, between the two people who are trying to build bridges rather than walls. Mm-hmm. Uh, it is certainly a complicated conflict, uh, but we certainly know that God at his heart is a peacemaker. And so it's a, a matter for us to, to figure out how we ourselves can support those who are really taking those risks for peace. On a national level, it seems so uh, insurmountable as a problem. And yet on an individual level, I know that you know people who are really uh, in fellowship and t- working in their own lives towards that. Uh, there, there are many who are there. I mean, the media, we typically see the bad stuff uh, that occurs, uh, but we're not really seeing those who are, who are learning to love their neighbor. Uh, and let's be honest, learning to love their enemies. Mm-hmm. And uh, these are the stories that need to be told. They, they, need, to, they, they need to be heard. Um, they're the people that I think we really need to be supporting. And we need to be supporting the right people, mm. too. Uh, there, there are those, I think, who like to come across as if they're really trying to build bridges uh, when that may not necessarily be the case. In my opinion, we need to learn how to support Israel's right to, to exist as a sovereign Jewish state. Uh, while at the same time learning to support Arabs right. who not only do the same, uh, but who also want what's best for their people. Yes, of course they do. Yeah. Well, uh, I'm, I'd like to propose that we continue this conversation, although in another vein. If you're willing, uh, will you come back next week? Love to. On First Person. Now, Hanukkah is behind us this year. It happened kind of early this year, didn't it? Yeah, it was uh, early on our calendar this year. Okay, so we, we missed talking about Hanukkah during Hanukkah. But I'd like to look back a little bit at Hanukkah and have you help us understand it. Uh, and then we want to look, of course, at Christmas. Um, next week will be so much closer to Christmas that we need to talk about that. So can we do that next time? I'd love to. Let's do that. So here's your invitation to listen next time when Justin Crone will once again be with us. In the meantime, if you'd like to learn more about him and his calling, we have placed a link to Justin on our website, firstpersoninterview.com. You may want to book him as a speaker. Just go to firstpersoninterview.com and follow the link provided. And if you'd like to comment on what you've heard today, visit us at facebook.com slash firstpersoninterview. Each week, this program is made possible by the Far East Broadcasting Company. There are several places in the world right now that are on the brink of turmoil, some experiencing increasing religious persecution. FEBC broadcasts in those countries are a gospel lifeline to many. Learn more about taking Christ to the world with radio and new media when you go to febc.org, febc.org. Now, with thanks to my friend and producer, Joe Carlson, I'm Wayne Shepard. Join us next time for First Person. First Person.